Good morning, everybody. Need sunglasses more than glasses in this place. Hey, it's quite a beautiful day out there. Let's check the time. Right. Yeah, it is wonderful to be with you guys, uh, Russell and Jenny, as we as um, was announced earlier. Thanks for having us here during this time. And yeah, we've been part of Josh Jen um, tomorrow, actually, the 31st of January. It's echoing a little bit. Um, we've been part of Josh Jen since it began, uh, 23 years ago. Uh, we came down from Durban about a year before and uh, looked for a church. We found a church, but we didn't quite, they actually closed down, I think. And then we found Andrew. Uh, Sally, who leads Josh Jen, and a bunch of guys at his house. And uh, it, was a, it was a God connection where he just connected hearts. We were very different in appearance. Um, and uh, so it's amazing what, how God connects people and brings people together for a, for a purpose. And it's been a great journey, Singer, from 15 people to I've lost track of how many people we've got today in terms of uh, serving the Lord with us. But it's... Um, yeah, I just love what the worship. Well done, worship guys, and well led, and just finding God there. It was beautiful, and we were recently were away with uh, all the leaders from Josh Chen and uh, and in Wellington, and uh, I've recently been in the in the Netherlands and Switzerland. The church is there, and uh, the Dutch are so hungry for God, and this one Dutch guy. Uh, they came to join us in, in Wellington at our where we were meeting, and this during worship like this for us this is fairly normal you know God's presence raised worshiping Him, and this big Dutch guy and the Dutch are the tallest people in the world I don't know if you know that, um, and this big Dutch guy came and just grabbed me, and he just saw, he was just sobbing he's about to plant a church in Vienniendal uh, they're pronouncing it a little bit differently to Afrikaans. And, um, and he was just sobbing. He just held me and gripped me and wept and wept. And he just kept saying, we need this. We need this. We need this. He said, you don't understand. You don't understand. We don't have this in the Netherlands. And Europe is dead. It need, Europe needs Jesus. Look, the world needs Jesus. Um, but who's going to reach them? Who's going to touch these guys? Who, you know, they love coming to South Africa. They said, we've got such open heavens here. And uh, things so, in a sense, quite easy for us still in this country to worship the Lord and gather like this, where countries that were sending people, like Europe and America, are now needing to, they need input now. And even countries like, like Africa, continents like Africa, need to go and feed in to what they desperately need. It's a, the, the direction has changed now from receiving to giving. And uh, there's a pouring out, they st and they got up and they, and they just said to us, help us, help us. And, but they are so hungry. When we met with the guys, they, they're dealing with stuff such, such basic some, sometimes. They've come out of a, of, a, of a religious understanding of Christianity. And for them, water baptism is exciting and people getting filled with the Spirit. And, and this one pastor phoned me in December. He said, we want to, we've done the orientation, the starting point, and we want to pray new people in. You know, how do we do this? And so I said, well, you know, get the, the, the church to receive the new people. He said, no, there are no church. We are, they're all new. Um, so, okay, let's change the wording then and get these two elders, and they brand new, fresh, you know, still got their label on them, new elder. And, 
And they, and they got up and said, you know, come journey with us as we build God's church and God's kingdom. So it's exciting things happening. Uh, small fires are starting to ignite. And uh, it's, the bottom line is it's all hands on deck. Um, you know, the whole church, when God looks at, when he looked at Israel, he looked at it as a nation. He judged them as a nation. If one of them fell into, into sin, the whole nation would get judged, especially the leader, if the leader fell like King David. Uh, the people would receive uh, what possibly that person should have received. When God looks at us as his people across the planet, he just sees his people. You know, Western understanding of Christianity has become so individualized. My walk with God. It's all about me. God, what can you do for me? And that's why we get uh, prosperity messages emerging. And we, we were part of that nearly 40 years ago, the whole prosperity message. And uh, it feeds into you. What can God do for me? You know, if I'm going to become a Christian, what's in this for me? What can I get out of it? I remember going to an Afri another, another African country and, uh, and I had an interpreter. He often would we'd always be there to interpret for me. He was a warrant officer in their police force. And one day we went there and he wasn't there. I said, where's, where's this guy? They said, no, he, he watched uh, Christian TV and he saw the prosperity messages and he said, but then God's not coming through us. I see the poverty amongst my people. And so the, where's God? And he he'd lost... I heard he's back now with the Lord and he's going strong again. But for a moment, he lost faith in God because God, how come the, I hear such amazing, I should be so blessed and financially prosperous, and yet what I see in reality is such poverty. We've got to bear in mind that, that the modern world is very unique. For the majority of the, of the world, until only about 100 years ago really, the majority of the world was, was pretty tough. If you lived in America, in the 1800s, in America and Europe, if you got to the age of 20, which was a small, only a small chance of that, if you managed to get to the age of 20, your life expectancy was another 17 years. 17 years. You know, how many people here are 37, 38? Yeah, you would have been to time out. Cheers. <laughs> um, you know, and, but we've got this life, I'm going to live to 80, I've got my whole career ahead of me, and um, the one good thing about getting old is that you can look back, and you can see how God moves, you can see the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God working in people's lives, and you know, over the years, we've been through much, Jenny and I, Jenny got saved in the 1970s, um, I got saved in about 1980 at the age of 21, uh, I thought I was, my culture said I was a Christian, and I found out that I wasn't. And, um, you know, you're not born into Christianity. Christianity is quite, again, quite unique in that you're so dependent on a Savior, the grace of God. And, and so many, there are religions that will teach that you're, you're born perfect and you become imperfect as you progress if you don't follow their, their ways and do their things. Where Christianity, the, the unique thing about Christianity is the grace of God. It just reaches out to us and brings us and draws us uh, towards Jesus. And so this morning, I actually don't know where to start because um, just the worship, and I'll try and pick up in the spirit where God is going. And, you know, we prepare and we come prepared to teach and help God's people to, to come into more. Because if you all come in, if you all become mature believers, which is what God wants you to become, 
Um, you, you glorify God, because a lot of what came through this morning was just glorifying God. And not glorifying God is just standing here on a Sunday morning lifting your hands. That's just one small aspect, really, of glorifying God. Glorifying God is your life, and people look at you, and they look at your life, and how do you live? How do you follow Jesus when the chips are down, when things are going tough, when things are not always making sense in the world? Where does your faith really lie? Where are your priorities? Where does, where does your heart who has your heart this morning? Does Jesus really have your heart? If things were to get tough, what would your response be towards God? Don't you love the story of Job um, right in the beginning where um, it's a bit of an interesting story, and, and during the faith message when we were part of the faith teaching, they hated the book of Job. They said, no, he brought on himself. You see, he confessed a negative confession. Um, and, but, but, you know, the devil's wandering around, and he comes into God's presence, the Bible said, and uh, says that, that, that you know, Job was a righteous man, godly man. And he actually asks God for permission. He said, oh, look at your servant here. He only serves you because you bless him and you make things go well for him. But let's see, if you take stuff away, what will his response be? And God says, okay, I'm summarizing the story here a wee bit. Um, you can... You can t do with all these. You can do stuff to him, but you cannot take his life. Okay, and then, and then we know that Job was severely tested. I think, and most of us would give up or consider, wow, you know, where do I stand with God at this point? I had a, a very good friend of mine who, who um, about 10, 12 years ago, his wife died in the middle of her fifties, which, when you're our age, fifty is not that old, and um, and. You know, she was a godly woman, beautiful woman. But my friend of mine, he was a leader in the church as well, he picked the wrong theology, so to speak. He started claiming things and saying things, and, uh, and we try to warn him, you, you, you you're taking a dangerous position here. Because listen, I believe in healing. Eh? We as a church, we believe in healing. We believe in the God providing for us. We, we don't want to be miserable as we go through this life. We call to be full of joy, full of peace, no matter what the circumstances. And he, but he took a, such a strong line, a, a strong position that God will heal my wife. And uh, she died. And uh, he, he literally got the Bible and threw it down in front of me and said, this is a bunch of fairy tales. And you know, his finger in my face, your wife hasn't died, and angry with God because he believed God would come and do as he thought he, God should do it. And God is God. You know, if you're going to, was Jesus, a, you know, I read a book once on the, on the most um, successful or influential people of hist in history. They put the, Paul the Apostle as third, I can't remember who was first and second, but they put Jesus about number 70 because he appeared to be unsuccessful in the world's eyes. You know, he died quite young, 33. It's not such a great, you know, how many of you would like to live beyond 33? Um, he didn't have any really any possessions. He couldn't point you to his mansion. He, had, he said, you know, birds have nests and, and foxes have holes, but the son of man's got nothing. And um, so he wasn't, a, you know, he didn't look pretty successful. And when he died, sorry? <laughs> Okay, no worries. And, um, and uh, you know, and he just, there was just uh, an appearance that Jesus didn't do. He didn't have many followers at the end. You know, but people abandoned him. Uh, Paul seemed to do so much better in their eyes because he planted church all around the world. And God used him to really get the, the churches established and going. So if you start, you becoming the judge of Jesus and, you know, you start 
picking the wrong line. So this morning, I really want to emphasize, um, you know, that we've, all of us are called to give an account to God for our lives one day, every single one of us. Today, about 200,000 people go into eternity. They got up this morning. Tonight, they won't be in this world. And, uh, you know, we always think of someone else, you know. Uh, other people get older. When I used to be younger, people, older people seemed to be born old, you know. They, they, they didn't, you, can't, you can't picture them being a little five-year-old, a two-year-old growing up. And, and then you suddenly realize, like I said, the great advantage of getting old is seeing how God works and seeing the, the majesty of God and passing the test and working through the things that will come your way in this life. There'll be many difficult things that will come your way. Jesus even warned us in John 10. He says, in this life you will have hardship, but take heart, and I have overcome this world. And Jenny and I, we only went into ministry in our, in our 40s, and we, we, I was in business. I mean, I've been, we've done a lot, so we've been, had quite a different sort of life in some ways. You know, I've been arrested, uh, put in jail, uh, fingerprinted for hanging out with black people uh, in the apartheid years. And uh, we've, we had a business. We, we've, we lost, we had a house. We lost it. No house. Scratching money for, for bread to feed our children. Uh, you know, we've been to the bottom of the valley like, and we've been to the top. Like Paul says, I've had lots and I've had little, but I've learned this, godly contentment. Um, we've seen you know, it's, it's very hard to go through this life and have like a perfect life. It's almost impossible. You will get tested somewhere along the way. Things will happen. But I want to assure you this morning how powerful our God is. That he's, all he's focused on is your eternity. And when you step into eternity, what will be your response to this life? You know, it's really, you're going to think, did I spend so much time? I mean, I had my own business for seven years. I worked for corporate companies, and they demand a lot of you. It was a corporate company who sent us to Cape Town. They wanted us to go then to Europe for two years and back to Durban and oversee all the manufacturing factories. It was part of Total, the French petroleum company. But God just changed direction, changed the plan, and, um, and just, we just found how God just leads and guides us in this life. Because I just, you know, there were times when I had the Mercedes-Benz and the E-Class and, you know, the suit and tie and, the, and all the, everything. I've been all over the place work-wise. And um, I've just learned this, that God is so good. He's so faithful. And he wants you to pass the test. He will let you be tested. Even Jesus had to go and be tempted by the devil. Okay? The Holy Spirit led him there. And uh, he was tempted in every area that we were tempted, the Hebrews tells us. Otherwise, he couldn't sit at the right hand of the Father. He couldn't be that covering. He couldn't be the perfect sacrifice. The Bible says he understands everything that we're going through, every single thing. You think, yeah, but. You always want to put a but. No, no, it says he experienced everything. And, you know, it, it, he was known. And Isaiah says he was a man of many sorrows. You know, what does that mean? We went to Israel about two years ago for the first time ever, and literally, and they talk about a house, it's actually like a, it's a cave. You know, it's not a house, like we would know a house. You think of a house, with a, you know, it's like, like, like caves, man. It's like primitive. Um, and even Isaiah says there's nothing to draw us to him. He wasn't charismatic, smooth-looking guy. Even his, you know, his brothers were surprised when he was revealed to be the Messiah. Like you, like you're a good guy. You don't do anything naughty in that, but really you. And then the anointing came on him, and then he started just exhibiting the uh, godly uh, lifestyle and the anointing that just drew people. He would go to remote places, and people would run after him to be with him. Because they wanted to experience. Okay, there were some guys who went with wrong motives, but there was something about him of God. 
And to this, today, I want to sort of challenge us. Are you a healthy, mature Christian? And who will be your judge? Well, it's got to be the Word of God. And it has to be. We've got to reflect. We've got to weigh our lives against Scripture all the time and say, God, what does your Word say in terms of my life? How am I doing? What's my attitude like? Um, do I love you the way you love me, the way you love people? Is your love really evident in my life? Uh, if people look at me and they grab hold of me, what comes out? Is it Jesus or is it me? Um, Yes, so my friend who lost his wife, uh, he's back with the Lord, remarried, and he's back feet on the ground again. It's always good to have a happy ending, eh? Uh, a good ending. Um, but uh, can you put up? So people call you Danny, eh? Okay. But can I call you Daniela? Is that right? Okay. Sounds more posh. Um, <laughs> Ephesians 3.10, have you got that one? It should be, should be one of the first script. There we go. His intent, God wanted to do, was that now through the church, the, the manifold wisdom, which is the complete wisdom of God, who God is, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're the church, we're the body of Christ worldwide. Doesn't matter what race you are, what culture you are, um, we've got to really lay our cultures and all our us part down and uh, pick up kingdom culture and whatever that might be. And some of our expression may be through our culture. I mean, right now, I'm a product of my culture. I realize that. Um, I'm speaking as one who's experienced a particular upbringing, a, a background, a culture. Some of you receiving me maybe differently because of where you've come from and your cultures and the experiences you've had in life. And, but at the end of the day, the Lord wants us to put that down and say, Lord, what does kingdom culture look like? And we, because in us, you know, we have got, all got outward bodies, but inside we spirit people. That's our primary person, who we are. And God wants the world to know, the, even the heavenly realms, to know about his church. And we, we're it. Romans tells us, in Romans 1 and 2, like, like a real backstop, like the last resort, is that nobody will have an excuse when they stand before God, but just because of the creation of this world. It's so incredible. It, and even in its broken, fallen state, it's incredibly amazing. How am I? Jenny's got a degree in zoology, which has got nothing to do with zoos. She's a biology science high school teacher. Um, you know, and you learn all about how things work. And it's phenomenal how you can see, for a Christian, it's obviously God. But for, when there's a deception over our eyes, we can't see that it's God. But that's almost like God's backstop of that people will be without excuse, you know. Let's say nobody ever met a Christian, never, and, but they will, the, the creation will speak. The Bible says, but God's got a, an A plan, and that's us, his church. And there's no, actually no real other plan that he's got to reach this world and, and tell people about Jesus. And I trust that every one of you will be bold in this time. We know the church, uh, especially in the Western world, again, is under a massive onslaught. In fact, in a lot of places in the world, uh, not, it's, it's under a lot of onslaught. You know, is, this, is this Bible true? Is it real? Can you trust it? You need to settle that. Because uh, one of the scriptures you know, tells us, uh, where's it in, uh, 
in 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4, you know, about the Word of God. Uh, there's to be trusted. It, it's it's God-breathed. If we can't accept that and we don't settle on that, we'll be easily swayed and taken off course. And what's broken my heart in the last 40-plus years of being a Christian is seeing people fall away. You know, um, how must it make, break God's heart? People are on fire for God and uh, not even serving, denying them to this, to, you know, I was made a deacon in my first year as a Christian because I was so desperate. They just, anybody, if you, if you sort of knew the difference between the beginning of the Bible and the end, uh, they made you a leader. And uh, it was a young church, a wild church. And uh, so I was made a deacon. There were four of us. And we, we were, Jenny, Jenny was part of this new church plant, uh, very exciting times. And uh, the, so they made four people deacons, and I was one of them. Today, I'm, not, I'm the only one who still ser- who believes in Jesus out of those four. Other three have gone to other religions, atheists, fallen away rapidly, um, never mind being in a ministry. Um, and it breaks my heart. They were friends. They were up front here. They were serving, and they were setting up the things and doing all the stuff. And they proclaimed, but when things got difficult or things got, you know, sidetracked, and uh, off they went and uh, fell in love with other things. And the Bible does warn us in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. And that's just an emotion. You know, we think of, we think of the word love, emotion. And God, God sees it as, as an expression, an outward. Worship is not just singing. And I don't want to sort of, because worship is very powerful in terms of singing and, and music. But worship of God is how you live your life. You set your eyes on the prize today. You know, make, make a decision today. Lord, I want to be part of that healthy church. I want to go into eternity knowing you. I want to run this race all the way to the end. Um, you know, I was tempted in terms of career. I've been, you know, that, that, and um, you, get, you can get so caught up in your work, so caught up in your job, uh, to the extent where you actually start putting kingdom stuff secondary. And you've got to... St- Staying in love, we've been married now 40 years in April this year. Um, it does require a decision to be in love. Like this relationship is an expression of God, man and woman. God's idea from beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Very important. It's key things, especially you young folk. Um, you've, got, you've got to be careful you haven't been brainwashed. You might think I've been brainwashed because of my generation. Fair enough. Fair comment. Um, but for young folk, there's this, we have such an, uh, abil- uh, such an availability and such an influence of, me- of media material that we've never experienced before. You know, fortunately, living, again, being older, we, we've seen the world change from how it was to what it is today and, and how people's minds, sometimes when I speak about something male or female or relationships, or you can hear the younger folk like, almost like, get, like they've been hit by something, like, whoa, that wasn't what the world told us, you know. And we see Jesus, who was equal to God, equal to the Father, chose, he chose to come and be nothing. Came, he came to lay his life down. See, if we get this thing the wrong way around, that, that's why so, much, so many Christians today are trying to fit God into this world, make this a better place. Uh, there will never be peace on this earth. Jesus told us that. Um, we've met a United Nations guy the other day. He was ambassador to Japan. And he was angry with the, for, for Britain for pulling Brexit, for pulling out of the European Union. For 40 years, he said, I've laid my life down to form the European Union. And he says, now that, he says, the Europeans, if they start breaking up, they go to war. 
And the only way to keep him out of war was to keep them in there. He was angry because he served his whole life in this thing. And um, we've got to understand that eternity is not just an attachment to this world. You know, let's live this life that's all about now serving God. God, what can you do for me? What can you, how good can you make my life, my marriage, my partner, my, my business, uh, my education, my career path? And then, oh, by the way, there's an eternity sort of somewhere along there. Oh, it'll happen one day. Not, not, no big deal. But, but for the billions of people who are in eternity right now, it's a big deal of how they live their life here. Because this life, is, it's so, so short. And before you know it, you'll be in eternity. And this life just points to the next one. This life is a preparation for the next one. You know, the Moravians who um, came from where? Moravia, was it? <laughs> um, that's a clue in the name. And Germany, yeah. It was in the, what century was it? About the 17th, 18th century. They, they were so in love with the Lord Jesus, they sold themselves into slavery. They said, our lives are worth nothing. We, we dead to, we're dead. We choose to be slaves. We, we, they were quite well-to-do people, and they had enough. They were having a good life. But they said, if Jesus came to lay his life down for us, we want to lay our lives down for him. They, they sang, and they waved goodbye to their families. They went into slavery to reach the slaves for Jesus because they realized this life counts for nothing. You know, but, but you look at this world, they're all grasping. I want to be equal. I want to be at the top. I want to, what about me? What about me? What about these rights? What about that? And the Bible just says, no, no, just come and die. Jesus came to die. He didn't say, but hey, I've got rights, you know. When he said to, this, uh, you know, to um, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate said, I've got your life in my hands. And he says, no, you haven't. I, lay my, I choose to lay my life down. I can call down legions of angels right now. I'll take the whole lot of you out. So I'll just like that. But I choose to go right. And I choose. We were, when you, I'll tell you what, we wept our way through Israel when we were there two years ago. We just cried at every site, Garden of Gethsemane, where the cross could have been, because they don't know all the exact locations. But just, and it's not, a, it's not a, the land, it's not the place, it's more just, you look, you're just understanding what Jesus did. Your eyes just get open. We just wept and worshiped God a whole journey for about a week, I think, going around Israel. And you realize what Jesus did at the cross. He came to make himself nothing when he was everything. And we've got it so back to front. Even in the church, I see it so back to front. And we've got to come, keep coming back to the central understanding of the gospel. Are you ready to go into eternity today? You know, I've done many funerals for young folk. Young folk. Found an 18-year-old lying face down, bodybuilder, huge muscles. He had over-steroided himself. The steroids all there. Lying face down on the bed, solid. He'd been trying to dial emergency services to get help because they'd pumped themselves to get hectically big to go to a competition. 18 years old, I think he was. Did his funeral, his memorial. The guy in our church today, um, Warren's big, huge guy, got saved there. Had all these gym guys. And I said, man, he's, he, people must get saved in this time. They've got to come. You so say, you think you're going to live forever? You're not. You know, just eliminate that. Because then it reprioritizes your life on how you live your life for Jesus. You realize, Lord, if I'm, you know, do yourself visitors, please, just relax. Um, but for those who consider themselves part of this congregation, you know, what's, what's, how, would, how do you express your love for Jesus? Well, it's towards people. 1 John 4.20, I think I did give it to you somewhere, or I may not have, um, but I think I did. 1 John 4.20 says, you know, how can you say that you love God who you've never seen, 
if you can't love people who you can see. All our expression this way will be evident this way. You got it? Well done. done. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, and hate doesn't, is not an emotion, it's an action, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Um, so, so very much uh, that applies to every aspect of us. You know, what, um, you look at someone's Facebook, or apparently that tells you that you're getting old if you only watch Facebook, look at Facebook. Um, and um, whatever media part that you're part of, and you can see what are people's priorities. You know, where's their, where do they spend all their money, their attention, and their heart? Who's got their heart? And God's called us to love so he said, there's only one way that the world looks at us that will be, that will be different, by the love we have one for another. That's, that's it. There's no other way. There's no other expression uh, of love, really, except for how we love one another. When folks come in here, they should experience the love of God, not just in mushy feelings, okay? Um, but really, they should see it take place when you've got to move house, when you're struggling financially, that the guys... We can't promise you a car and a three-bedroom house, but you will have a place to stay. When my business went into serious trouble, like serious, we were about to lose everything. We did lose our house. Um, I went to like a businessman friend of mine, a, a real good brother in the Lord, but older than me, and I said, I'm desperate. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown, and I, I don't know where to turn. How am I going to feed my family? We'll, be, we'll have nothing. He just calmly said, what's the worst that can happen? He said, you can come stay here, you know, and he actually took me all the way to, like, and die, to the place where I, if I died, I'd be with Jesus, you know. So when I walked out, he hadn't done anything physically, but he had led me to a place of truth and helped me understand. But hang on a moment, you know. When we moved into our house about 20 years ago in Cape Town, our neighbor across the road had just hung himself two weeks before, in his, ages, in his, in his 30s, because of debt that he had, and he couldn't take the pressure of the debt. And he hung himself. Um, and people do crazy things when they feel just the pressure of this world. They run, they bail out, they take drugs or whatever. And I did a lot of, did a lot of drug addicts over the years and people in desperate situations. And um, we've got to understand that Jesus wants to, us to reflect him, as we read in that scripture, reflect him to a lost and dying world. The world, you know, we, the world doesn't always know it, but it desperately needs Jesus desperately needs them. And we're his hands and we're his feet and we're his mouth. And we're the ones who are going to be able to share the gospel and take the gospel out uh, into a lost and dying world. But make sure that you're on firm ground in terms of your own ownership of truth and your understanding of truth. We're seeing churches fall, you know, some famous guy, I think it's like one of these American dudes like Francis, Frangipani or one of these guys 40 years ago, he said, show me the world and I'll show you the church in 10 years' time. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. Churches who've been alongside us, and even in Cape Town area, are one by one pulling out and letting go of values that are in the Bible for thousands of years. They seem like small things, and they, it's all to do with human rights and stuff like that. And it looks so good on the surface. Like, but this is so good. This is wonderful what you're telling us. But it's not the truth. It's not the truth. And we've got to separate out Opinion from facts. You know, we, um, the facts is what the scripture says. And if we, I don't like everything the Bible says. I don't know why, you know, in this, this life, I don't know why God calls some people to be leaders and others not. And he says he distributes gifts as he wills. 
Um, you know, when we saw the restoration of the Pentecostal movement 100 years ago and then the charismatic movement, we saw such crazy weird things taking place in, in the 1940s and 50s where people were doing genuine miracles. I mean, like serious, proper stuff. But yet they would be drunk when they left the building or they'd go and commit adultery. So they separated out character, which is God's main interest and main focus, from just the gifting. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous scripture on love, it says, I don't care if you prophesy mysteries and you can do all amazing things, but if you have got not love, you've got nothing. And the world builds around gifts. You know, if, us, if, I, you, if you bring in all dead bodies here right now, and I laid hands on every one of them, and they all came to life, the world would worship me. The world of the city would go crazy. Um, because of a gift that God has given. Jesus raised the dead. He did amazing miracles. Um, and so we've got to go back to the, just the absolute truth that God is not that interested in this life in terms of what kind of a life you're going to live here. It is a broken world. It is a messed up world. Um, and we've got to be expectant. And, you know, we've, we're a people of hope. It's a, it's a hopeless world. Um, you know, people don't, I'm meeting Europeans in Europe who don't want to have children because the world is so bad. Um, they say, no, we're not going to have kids. Uh, it's, I wouldn't bring a child into this world. It's so broken. There's wars about to break out in the Ukraine and Taiwan and all these. This is, but the world's always been like that, folks. You look back over history. I mean, we could be sitting here right now and, and an invading army could appear on the beach and suddenly come in and you know it's, it's, the world's always been dangerous it's, it's always been a tough place and if you can accept that and realize we've got to root ourselves in Jesus that he is our peace he is our joy and he is our fullness then the church will shine is the church shining at the moment like it should probably not but at some places it is and, and in some ways as a church we're living in a little bit of revival and we don't even realize it but we want but there's more and we was more, and God is, but he wants every person. So my, my message this morning is, are you healthy as a person in your spirit, not necessarily your body? I mean, I had COVID a year ago, and you just come out of, you've gone through a bad patch as well. I was in ICU, and I arrive in ICU, and they say, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going home to be with Jesus, or you might go home to your family. So, you know, so I say, they say, like, say goodbye to your family, get ready. I don't have the strength to, I wanted to say goodbye messages to my family, and I couldn't do that. It wasn't strong enough. And I survived, through, I think, through prayer and good doctors, possibly. But I, the guys were praying, you know. Um, I was on the edge. And so, and I quite honestly, I wasn't fighting to stay alive in this world. You may say, okay, you're great, you're ready to go, it's okay for you. No, no, no. Um, I, you know, there's still work to be done. This is. There's uh, lives to be reached, and I want to serve God in this body that's, that's got weaknesses about it and things that's going to go wrong eventually, and eventually I'll be in glory with the Lord full time. But uh, for now, we need to all come to a place of health in our spirits. Draw lines in the sand. Say, Lord, what do you say? Don't listen to the world, folks. The world is going to influence you against Jesus, not going to influence you towards Christ-like uh, ways and uh, what his plans and purpose are for this church. So this morning, um, yeah, I think the cry has already gone out. Neil's already sort of put it out, you know, about giving over completely to the Lord and, and people who've been going through struggles. And, and if there's anyone here who's doubting in God in any way, please resist the enemy.
Submit to God, the Bible says, and then resist the enemy. You've got an enemy. He's very real. And uh, he really wants to not, and none, doesn't want you guys to go into eternity with Jesus. He doesn't, first of all, he doesn't want the world to know about Jesus. He, wants, he keeps them in deception. And then those who are Christians, he wants to neutralize you. So you're ineffective. You're just Christian by, by culture almost. You, we can have a Christian culture about us but actually not be serving Jesus. You're just caught up in this. You come to church on a Sunday, but really this is not your, Jesus is not your priority. This world is your priority and yourself is your priority. So let's realign this morning because the Lord, in a sense, he does need us. He doesn't need us and he does. That makes sense. He can do whatever he wants and how he wants, but he's chosen to work through us. And if you like me, you'll realize that you need Jesus desperately. I know I do. Um, I'm pretty useless without him, you know. There's been moments in my life when I've got prideful and arrogant and thought, hey, I'm pretty cool. I can do this. I can do that. And, and the, God says he resists the pride. So um, it gives grace to the humble. So this morning, choose health. Choose to line up with the Lord Jesus 100% that he will have your heart. And we all go through different life circumstances. There's babies here older folk, not many, just you and me, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's all different, you know, different people in stages of life. But grab hold of Jesus and don't let go. Um, he's your only hope, you know. I'll, you know, I was in the COVID ward. There was, there was people, Jenny said they were fighting to get into the hospital. They were punching, trying to get in. And um, I managed to get in. And that they were so desperate they had to make a bed for me in a doorway um, between two ladies, which like, you know, and they were in comas. Uh, they were in, uh, intubated. And I prayed for those ladies, man. I prayed. Prayed for them that they would come to know the Lord Jesus. I didn't pray so much for their health, but they would know the Lord God. They did both die. But, you know, we're here for a purpose. There's a, this world around us, folks. Take ownership of it. Say, Lord, you've put me here in this country, this time, this place. I don't know why, but you chose that I'll be here. And I want to serve you. I want to take, take responsibility almost for Greenpoint, Cape Town, whichever area you come from. Um, take responsibility in your heart. Say, Lord... How can I be, how can I reflect your kingdom in this place, in work? In the workplace, for me, my job was a place to talk about Jesus. But, but I want to be the best at my job. I don't want to get fired for not doing my job. Um, best at my job, but still a witness in the way I live my life, um, where I speak about the Lord Jesus. We didn't get nearly into, but, but, but that's great, because I'm going to be spending more time with you guys over the next while. I just want to come and spend time in this congregation. And just whatever, I'm a particular gift. I've got a pastoral gift, apparently. And uh, so I, I want that, the gifting that God's given me, I want to, uh, Andrew's asked if I'll come just use it here for a season and be with part of you guys as much as I can with my travels. Um, so, yeah, we're going to hopefully help you guys and you help us Love Jesus more. Is that all right? Shall we stand? Thank you for that uh, little fan club there.